but I think the main things is at the end of the day, volleyball is volleyball. It's in the same nine by nine court, and the rules are the same. So we. Uh, <laughs> on the back of your shirt? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, yeah, it's on the back of your shirt. You did, you did a little free shout-out for you. Um, and it doesn't matter who's on the other side of the net. You need to still execute to the best of your ability if you want a chance to win. That's right, Brett Walsh. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the 9 by 9 the 81 square meters of the best volleyball coverage on the Internet. My name's Rob St. Clair, live from Chicago. That is Everett DeLorme, live from Toronto. And Everett, we are back. It is a regularly scheduled Tuesday show for the first time in what seems like forever. We're going to go ahead and call this episode 39. Uh, we're just going ep- to pick up where we left <laughs> yeah. off before the World Championships. Yeah, episode 38 was all the way back in August. And I think we've done like maybe 30 extra episodes between like all the ones from VNL when we were there and Men's and Women's World Championships special episodes. But we're back to our regularly scheduled Tuesday, 7.30 Eastern sort of situation, which is great. Uh, We've got a lot of club volleyball to get into. That's going to be the main subject of this show is uh, the beginning of the club season because we have all of our special episodes covering the Women's World Championship, including we have one coming up on Sunday covering the Women's World Championship finals. But Everett, we simply simply must talk about this. We We simply must talk about it, at least briefly, we four. can't not address what happened today. Uh, the, like, we, we have we have to. We, we have to absolutely. And I mean, we we had kind of toyed about like, hey, maybe we maybe we touch on a little bit. We see what happens. I mean, we kind of thought that all these quarterfinals were going to be kind of status quo. You know, we were always just kind of like, man, you know what? And in the first the first set of matches, let's call it the first round because they were wonderfully t- uh, planned all for the same day with two matches going on basically at the same time. Fantastic Terrible. planning. Um, the first round of matches was pretty much status quo. You had Italy pretty much beat up on on China, other than the third set where China kind of got in. You know, Italy made some errors. China got going, and then Italy, you know, took it took in the fourth. Um, and then the USA just all over all over Turkey. But in the afternoon matches, that's that's where we saw some of the best volleyball we've seen this entire tournament. Those were the two best matches of the tournament, in my opinion, so far. And it was just insane that they were on at the same time. It was crazy God, that they were so on at the same time. So frustrating. God, yeah. I, I mean, I had it on the like the multi-view thing up on the this big screen Couldn't up in front it. of me, no. which was okay. But like, I, I was really you could really only possibly watch one match at a time. It's just the way that it is. And it, it was it was criminal to take my full anyone's full attention away from either of the matches that were going on we're talking about brazil versus japan and serbia versus poland both unbelievable matches but sure enough uh chalk does advance uh brazil advances in five and serbia advances in five just just amazing matches we'll, we'll talk about them really quickly and then uh break them down much more I mean- on sunday's show yeah, I, I think I think we have to talk about them. I mean, first and foremost, I think the Japan versus Brazil game was my favorite match of the tournament. The first two sets were just an absolute clinic from Japan. And you could you could make the argument that Brazil wasn't playing well. They made some changes that really helped help them out throughout throughout the longevity of the match, absolutely. But Japan was putting on an absolute clinic. And I know maybe I uh, I have the reputation of being, you know, hard on Japan, but I have to say like 
what that team did today made me respect them so much more. That was the best defensive performance I think I've ever seen. Oh um, my goodness, and, it was so good. And then the magic that Seki does with that offense, the the evenness that you look at the numbers and now you have four hitters who are scoring over 16 points. That's incredible. Like they are just so hard to deal with and they make all of their high right play, plays in defense, right? Like some of those digs that they were making today were absolutely ridiculous my new favorite libero uh in in the world uh is um why am i why am i blanking on satomi fukudome apparently a rookie that that blows my mind she was everywhere and yeah japan i mean the the set scores japan went up 25 18 25 18 like it was a two nothing beat down early forcing brazil into completely emptying their bench they exchanged i think every single player other than gabi got switched out at some point during this match. It, Brazil yeah, pretty much. needed to dig as deep as they possibly could. They were making way too many errors early uh, and just not you, – you couldn't they couldn't buy a point. Japan was everywhere defensively. Ever would you believe me if I told you that Japan out-blocked Brazil in the whole match? Uh, I mean, six? yes, I would because I, because I watched that match, and Yamada in the middle was an absolute monster. She had more blocks herself, seven. Then Brazil had the the entire the entirety of the match, and it was really this this kind of stuff. And I wouldn't say that Brazil was brought, blocking poorly. Brazil, just Japan's offense was so on point; it was so fast. They were moving it around so much. Seki is an absolute magician with the ball the the way the way she runs it. And when you look at the points, Ayashi with twenty one, Yamada with nineteen, Ishikawa with with eighteen, Unui with sixteen. Like just across the board, they they were so good to on this day and you know what i think ultimately it's probably better that brazil moves on because i think they put up a better fight against italy in the semifinals but i think just japan definitely win deserved to win today and i'm a little sad that they didn't yeah that, that's exactly the takeaway that i had is uh, if japan had pulled the upset again because remember japan did brazil beat brazil in pools i don't think they would have stood any chance at all against italy brazil will definitely produce the more competitive semifinal but Man, did Japan leave it all out on the line today. And I, I'm totally with you. I have all the respect in the world for the way that team played with just given what their identity is, embracing it completely, doing their homework against the matchup, making Brazil extremely uncomfortable. And they were just so, so, so close. Yeah, the, the balance in their offense was pretty special. But it is Brazil who were pushed to their absolute limits, getting uh, kind of embarrassed in those first two sets, and they bring it all the way back with the reverse sweep. Uh, Gabi Gumara is amazing again. 25 for 50. Uh, only eight errors. Honestly, is not a, a terrible percentage for her. Uh, what's no. that? Like 17 over 50 is, I think, 34% efficiency. Uh, not bad at all, but especially putting the entire offense on her back. Uh, the next best scorers were the two middles. Uh, Carl Gattaz with 14, Ana Carolina with 13. Uh, they brought in Rosa Maria at the outside hitter position. That that was the game changer, right? Yes. Bringing in uh, Rosa Rosa Maria and Lorena um, on the right side. And I mean, Lorena had plays in Japan, so I think that there was just that that recognition of styles. But those changes is what what helped the change, uh, like especially spark that change in the third set when when Brazil started to started to turn things around. And they turned it around, and sure enough, we're going to get Brazil versus Italy uh, like we kind of all expected. But the path to get there was anything but expected. And again, huge credit to Japan for that match they put today. That was just electric. The, the level of defense was, like you said, it, it might have been the best I've ever seen. 
it, it, it 100% was, and I really want to go back to a Satomi Fukudome uh, real quick, the libero for Japan, because as we mentioned, she's only 24 years old. This is, She's in her rookie season. From what I was understanding from the Discord chat is that she was on the roster for VNL, but World Champs is when she first started to play. She looked like an absolute veteran out wow. there, making digs that I... I couldn't believe making plays in, in, in second setter. Like there was a point in time when she turned around the tide of the game completely in the fifth set on her own, making digs, setting out a system. She was a workhorse back there and just watching. Like I said on Sunday that the USA might is the best team in volleyball, but after watching Japan play today, I I don't know if I I don't know if I believe that anymore. And I think that Japan might be the best team. And then the way they play together, the way they're they're blocking and their defense works together, they they dig everything. It's so hard to get any, anything down on them. You have to put so much pressure. And I think Fukudome is really going to become a, a big star in in women's volleyball because she was absolutely ph- phenomenal. And to be honest, there's so many MVPs that you could have given it to, but I think just maybe emotionally, if, if Japan would have won, I would have given player of the match to Fukudome. I agree with you. And, uh, but one of the breakout players of the tournament for sure. And like, it, it's funny because as we'll talk about later on in the show, when you get breakout players, uh, like players that come out of nowhere and explode onto the scene. Like, well, we've got a couple in the men's super league coming up, but how, how can you, how long can you sustain that? How long can you keep that level of production up when you're new to a system or nobody knows about you yet? Nobody has film on you. That problem doesn't apply to liberos. Like she's, she's only just going to get better from this experience. Like reading the game at a level against an opponent like Brazil is, is just a, a hugely impressive performance in her first match out. So yeah, big credit to uh to fukudome the new japanese libero and i mean we got to talk about serbia poland as well 100 because... we can't we can't not t- touch on that match because we were inches away from having maybe a potential potential new elite team in 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 oh, the world of women's so football. so close poland maybe not overall but definitely so kind of the short term yeah yeah, this is absolutely back and forth. Serbia ends up taking it over Poland in Poland, 16-14 in the fifth. Crazy back and forth match. Magdalena Stisiak carried that team as far as she possibly could. 40 points. 40. I think she's only the second player in the tournament to reach that mark behind, obviously, Britt Herbots. Yeah. 34 for 68 attacking, 50% kills, only 10 errors, three stuff blocks, and three service aces for Magdalena Stisiak. Just a ridiculous team-on-her-back performance. All-time performance. All-time true. performance. Remember, true, she's true. only 21. It feels like we've been talking about her for years. This girl is only 21 years old. Dude, that's, and that's she... one thing. When you, when, you look at, when you look at this tournament, you look at like, like Britt Herbots. I, I forget how old she is, but she's, like she's, she's not that old. maybe. Tiana Boskovic is 25. Ka- <laughs> we got Kara Kurt, who's, who's 22 as well. I mean, Kira Van Rijk, who was a top four scorer, is also, is also 22. Like, there is so much. Like, the best talent in the world right now is 26 and under uh, in women's volleyball. Like, we are about to see... Actually, the next decade in women's volleyball is going to be truly phenomenal, I think. And you're seeing these superstars like Magdalena Stiziak, who's really impressed me throughout the like, and we we talked about it, Rob, that like we didn't know how far how much further she, she could go right. in this tournament. And it, she right. like she proved today that she still had some in the tank, like 40 points. That's a hell of a lot of volume. 68 sets she saw today. She did see a bit get a bit of an ankle roll. 
Oh, I was well, about to bring that up. That like, there was a, a freeze frame where her ankle was sideways. And I mean, anybody who's played volleyball has had that happen. It's a she was con- definitely limping after that. She was definitely oh, for sure. After that. The the adrenaline carried her through the rest of the match, and she did everything she could to push Poland to the semifinal. They were just ever so close, but uh, a couple missed opportunities and side out because they were leading by two. I think it was ten to eight. Uh, when they were they were serving at 10 to 8 all they had to do was side out five times and the match was theirs they had an overpass and then the ace to end up losing at 16 14 uh and then a couple where they uh where tiana boscovich was back at the service line they passed two dimes and on the first one uh they they couldn't quite side it out i think they got uh, block touched and dug or something like that so close so so close give magdalena stisiak all the credit in the world i think joanna volish had one of her best matches ever at least on the national team level uh, but in the end, Serbia is where they are. They they survive. They advance on 36 points by Boscovich, and they're going to take on the United States in the semifinals less than 24 hours later after a crazy five setter. I think that's another scheduling mistake. I don't I don't think you can force a team to play back to back like that in the in the late stages of the tournament. It's it's a little ridiculous, and I mean, let's just like tack it on to the pile that the three boomers in the trench coats yeah, couldn't figure out for list. this for this world championships, and tack it on to the even larger pile uh, that we saw with the men's tournament. Just yeah, I, I really I really don't want to go get into it because you you know I could go off on it all day. To me, though, this this match was another all time classic. The atmosphere in Lodge was was it in Lodge? Yes. Yeah, uh, the, no, this one might have been in Glavice. I think they. Yeah, think you know, yeah, moved. that's right. It, it is in Glavice, but yeah. the atmosphere there was absolutely electric. You know, you know, Poland does it right. Um, and yeah, it, it was phenomenal. But I do think that, like, coming into this summer, my notion of Polish women's volleyball was a lot lower. Like, my respect for them was a lot lower than, than it is now. I think they're truly putting themselves as to be one of the next teams up. Um, and, you know, before I would have said that Turkey was hand and fist far ahead of Poland, and I don't think that's the case anymore at all anymore. I agree. That, that that matchup is one that I really like. I think those teams are pretty similar. They're they're supported by great volleyball federations and systems, and uh, those two teams are – it's going to be kind of a race to climb up the mountain faster between Poland and Turkey over the next several years into being one of those top – four or five teams in the world. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I Poland absolutely has that potential now after a match like this, uh, where I, maybe I didn't quite see it at that level before. So all the credit in the world, but sure enough, we do have the semifinals that we all expected. So uh, tomorrow we've got Serbia versus the United States at, let, let me look at the times. Yeah. 2:30 PM Eastern. And then uh, the following day on Thursday, uh, Italy versus Brazil at 2 PM Eastern. We have Friday off and Saturday medal matches. So uh, we'll be back on Sunday night, Sunday evening, sometime to talk about uh, the rest of the bracket on the women's side of the world championship. But those matches today absolutely had to get addressed because those last two were just all time greats. Yeah, they, they absolutely were. And if you have the, the chance, if you have the volleyball TV prescription or subscription and you didn't watch it, my suggestion would be to go back and watch Japan versus Brazil because I think Japan put on an absolutely all-time performance and just the volleyball level of volleyball, nothing nothing whatsoever against the Poland-Serbia game was another all-time match. The best two turn- games in the tournament, but to me, the, the level that Japan was, was playing at, never seen a defensive performance like that in my 
decade plus in, in international volleyball. It was amazing. Amazing to watch. So uh, huge shout outs. I mean, the game is we're, we're about to talk about uh, a lot of club stuff on the men's side. And my takeaway from just sitting here today and watching all this volleyball was, man, this sport is so awesome. This sport is in such <laughs> yeah. this sport is in such a good place, man. I mean, we complain about the governing bodies all the time because there's so much it, we could obviously do better. And we always will try to do better with the way that we cover the game on this show. But the, the entertainment value of volleyball is is just sky sky high and it is more accessible than it's ever been and it's it's just banger after banger match after match it's uh it's been incredibly fun to watch the game the last like month from the end of the men's world championship to this and to club season starting up it's uh it's a nice time to be a volleyball fan right about now yeah absolutely i mean hell you can even go back to the the vnl like how many VNL weeks do we awesome. have in between like three weeks yeah between uh, men's world championships and the end of vnl right so like we we got we got plenty of things going on here and uh yeah it, it's you're right i think the entertainment value and the quality right now that we're seeing in volleyball as a whole has never been higher so with that said i know throughout all this big summer here on this show we picked up we've picked up a lot of new fans a lot of new viewers a lot of new discord members which is amazing uh the volleyball source discord has exploded in members uh join that link in the description if you haven't already but if you're new to the show this is kind of the first normal tuesday show we've had in a while we're gonna go over uh we're gonna jump back into the men's club season because there's two or three weeks now under the belt uh, for the men's club season, we'll do this every Tuesday. We'll talk about the matches of the week, any big storylines in the whole volleyball world. And this will just kind of be the flow of how we cover the next six or eight months of volleyball until a uh, national team season comes back next year. Uh, so without further ado, I think it's uh, the right place to start is the best men's league in the world. And that is Italy. The Italian Super League is underway. Uh, I did a very big preview on it with the great Tommy Blizzard a couple weeks ago here on YouTube. Uh, I really highly encourage everybody to check that out. I think it's like must watch to kind of get into the league. But we'll jump into the standings in the first two weeks of matches here. Rob, when you did that preview with Tommy which once again was was fantastic I encourage everyone to go uh check that out it's it's on our our YouTube channel when you did that preview would you have suspected some of the carnage that we've seen <laughs> in week one because week one sorry in weeks one and two because I d- would not have expected some of the things that we're, we're we're seeing right now would you have expected Padova and Verona to be two and oh given their schedule would you ex- have expected Piacenza to be 0-2 given their roster, right? Would you have expected Lube to have lost to Padova? Like, th- like th- there's so many things going on. Chesterna is undefeated still. I mean, like, they had one good win against Milano, played Toronto in the second match. But what is going on in the Super League of this season? I think, I think it's kind of blown wide open. And I really, really hope that we just have parity across the board because even Perugia is losing sets to Siena out here. What is going on is the exact right question to ask. Like uh, again, that that video I did with Tommy, it's about two hours long, but it's I, I thought and it's been really well received as a great fundamental baseline for the Superliga this year. I'm gonna give everyone the homework assignment to go watch that if you haven't already because it'll help you follow the Superliga. A couple of takes that I had during that podcast that already have been proven dead wrong. My two favorite candidates for relegation were Chisterna and Padova. 
four thumbs down on those takes. Uh, couldn't have been more wrong about that so far. And then a, a player that I did not know uh, that we that neither Tommy or I really knew what to expect. It just exploded on the scene is Maxim Sapozhkov of Verona, who we will talk about uh, in, in a moment, which is just one of the, the crazy young superstars in the game. Ridiculous. He uh, has been the shining star <laughs> out of absolutely nowhere, nowhere, nowhere Russia. And is the, just the next big, you know, six foot or seven foot two or like seven foot four or something I, like that. I think he's seven foot three, two twenty, the tallest player in the league. He's, you know what? Let's let's start with that. Let's start like, with Verona. Absolutely. Because Verona. That, how is that not? How is this not the biggest story? There's there's two because massive Padova's stories here. Because undefeated too. It's crazy. So right. look at this photo. There's look two at this things photo. Here. Him that and man the in the terrible jerseys. I don't think they're terrible. I, I I would not personally, as a player, like the long sleeve. I'm not about that, but the colors are fire, and I think they're everything about the sleeves there. are fantastic. If you had this jersey, short sleeves, mm, mint. The long yeah. sleeves, throw it down the list. Interesting F-grade. choice. Yeah, interesting choice. And one of the great things about the Super League is that we get uh, new teams. Everyone has new uniforms this year, and I always really like seeing what they do. A lot of good ones, by the way. Look at that man in the middle of your screen. That stir is Maxim Sapozhkov. He wears number five. He plays opposite for Verona. He is two meters and 20. Look at how much taller he is than everywhere else on that screen. Roke Mozic, number 19 at the right side of the screen, is two meters tall. Luca Spirito, number 13, who he's standing right next to, is one meter 99. Gord Perrin, who is behind the libero there on the left side, is like, what, 201? And Alex Grozdanov on the left side is a middle blocker, a big dude. He's two meters and five. That's like six foot nine. He looks tiny in comparison to this seven foot three giant in the middle of the screen. And Verona, I said on the on the preview show that at the very least they were going to be extremely fun to watch. I did not expect this. They start off the season beating Piacenza with a five-set banger, 24-22 in the fifth. And Maxim Sapozhkov put on a clinic in both of his two matches so far. What a I mean, breakout performance. The, the, when you look at, like, everyone, like, no one knew who this guy was. Like, yes, he played in Russia, whatever. Yes, he had been on some U19 teams. But, like, no one knew who he was. Like, we all thought that Namuri Keita was going to be the big guy on this team. And don't get me wrong, he's done some good things. He's put up some some decent numbers. They've had to take him off just because the passing. But, I mean, hell, in game one, he was 11 for 18 with only one air, three blocks. Like, And this is the kid who I didn't like, even know Namuri Keita could play outside hitter. I no, me neither. I, I think his, his passing's not that bad. No, but then in, in both of these matches, they've gone to the bench with, with, with Gord Perrin, and he's ended up finishing off. Gord has been a little bit... He's been not great offensively so far, which has been a little bit surprising to me, but his his passing and his defense and everything else has been fantastic. Not that it matters, because what we saw in the um, Trentino game is that they, every serve was going at Ruck Mozic, understandably, because he was he's the other half of the equation. But listen to um, Sapozhkov's stat line in this one. 39 points. 28 for 43. You're looking Only at the wrong match. That, and that, three that's, blocks. That's the match against Trentino, which we also have to point yeah. out because Verona so the, far that, two five set wins. This to me is an incredible. Three aces and eight blocks. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. So that, that that that's the match against Trentino, the second match of the year. Verona started off the first match of the year. I mean, pretty similar deal. Sapozhkov had 25. And I have no idea Verona was going to have this level of options. They have options on this team. Because the first match, they started with Spirito setting. 
and uh, Grozdanov in the middle and uh, Saposhkov at opposite of Keita and Mozic on the outsides. Then in the second match against Trentino, they send out Rafael to set. And then they have two Italian middles in Cortesia and Mosca, which is just fine. So they're compliant with the foreigner limit. They can bring in Gord Perrin at the wings to pass for Keita. And Saposhkov is just this gigantic beast on the right side who's making Trentino's elite-level block look invisible. It's unbelievable. I had no idea. I, I mean, a new Verona was going to be fun. I didn't know that they were going to be like this. They beat two championship contenders their first two matches in Piacenza and Verona. Crazy start to the season. And they have this weird mix of, you know, young guys who are some like could be, you know, tomorrow's stars with Keda and no, definitely tomorrow's stars. Like you've got Mozic, Keda and sure. Tchaposhkov. Can you name me a three like more exciting young players that we have in the game right now? And, and then they're a all 42 year old center. <laughs> but then and then and then, yeah, exactly. You have Raphael, who's been there for how long? You've had Gord Perrin, who's a hardened veteran, who's been to two Olympic games and has played all over the world. Like this is an interesting team. Like this, this team is this. This is a team that I think goes from fun to being potentially lethal, dangerous to, to, to being dangerous and to being like what ha- what happens with this team. I think the only thing that you have to question is that you have the stooge Stoichev at the helm. <laughs> like he's bound. He's bound to. He's bound to mess something up. And I'm sure all Modena Modena fans are sitting there just waiting for something to happen. Yeah, I'm a little worried about uh, Stoichev having a little bit too many toys to play with on this team because, like, like I said, this team has options. I really had no idea that they could interchange so many parts and 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 keep that high of a level. Like I'm, we we talked about. It. I'm not high on Lucas Spirito. He played great in that first match, and then they completely changed things up. And Rafael sets a masterclass to beat his old team in Trentino in the second one. But we got we got to wrap it up with talking about this Saposhkov kid again. I mean, not only is he seven foot three. Not only did he have eight blocks, which is an absolute mistake on the Trentino side and continuing to set the ball into him uh, uh, on outside attack against him. Can we focus on that for just two seconds? Sorry, Rob. Blocking? Yeah, because like how often do we see big guys like that be terrible Suck at blocking? blocking? Yeah, the exactly. Brutal blockers. He's so quiet with his blocking. Yeah. He just he doesn't try to like man, this this kid is potentially revolutionary. And I mean, I think it's going to be interesting to see how teams adjust to him because I guarantee you every team, like not only like every team in the world right now is doing video on him because no one knows who he is. That's exactly the thing. I want to see how long a kid like Saposhkov can keep this up. Now you can't teach height, which we say all the time. He's massive. He's the tallest player in the league. He's seven foot three. That's ridiculous. And there's only so much that you can do to scout against that. But it was almost like the Micheletto effect when Micheletto came on and was contacting the ball at that height. Just nobody knew what, what to do against it. And then slowly but surely, the rest of the national teams in the world and the rest of the teams in the Super League have figured it out and his numbers have kind of dropped off a cliff. I'm really curious to see when more film comes about about this Shaposhkov kids attacking, what other teams will try to do to slow him down. Because two elite-level rosters in Trentino and Piacenza have failed to do so so far, and it was electric to watch both those matches. And and I mean, on one side of the things, you've got a brand new Piacenza team that's that's it's you know this is a brand new Lego set that's just been put together, and in theory it looks good, and in, in theory it should work together great, but it's just not quite there yet. So you can kind of understand how they could upset Piacenza in game one, but Trentino is. Like that's their chalk team from it's last year. It's the exact year, same team as last it's, year. It's the exact same team minus Zinger, I guess. Yeah, different um, libero. And that's it, it. Like, but that's that means essentially nothing, right? So this is a hardened team, 
And of course, you can also make the excuse that maybe Lavia and actually even no, they've we've had some they've had some time off. Like you've got two how many world champions on that team and they're turning around and beating them? Like I think I think Super League is blown wide open this year. It's gonna be fun. It is gonna be fun. And Verona wasn't even the only team to do some crazy stuff against two great teams in the first couple weeks of the season. What happened to Padova? Where did this come from? And what happened to Dusan Pekovic? Yeah, who is this guy? Where did he come from, man? I mean, Tommy and I talked about it. We both agreed that Padova had a pretty terrible offseason. They they replaced Mattia Botolo at outside hitter with Asparu Asparuhov, and they replaced Linus Weber at opposite with Dusan Petkovic. And both of them, I think, were significant downgrades. What do I know? Those guys both had outstanding matches, both the first two matches of the year. Padova comes out of nowhere week one, beats Modena in five, 15-11 in the fifth. Ron Takahashi put on a clinic, 69% positive passing and 57% kills. Uh, Well-deserved MVP performance for him. He was unbelievable. And then they follow that up by beating the reigning champions in Lube Chivinanova. Like, where did that come from? I thought that Padova had a horrible offseason. They were set to get relegated. I thought their middles were going to be invisible. I thought that Saita is a streaky setter, which is a bad thing to have in your setter. I thought Petkovic is terrible. And they have come out and stunned two perennial elite teams to start the year. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do. Like, I watched the, uh, the, the game against Lube. And I mean, there there was a few things kind of on the Lube side. I mean, they do have some injuries right now. Oh, Lube's and, got a lot of issues, and and they're kind of they're it. kind of working through some things. Alex Nikolov was fantastic in for a part of it, and then was less than fantastic, especially in that. He third was terrible set. in the fifth. He was he was terrible in the third terrible. set, and they just kind of let him in there to go for it. Didn't bring Yant into the end. I understand, like it's early in the season. You don't make that decision if if we're, we're in March or February, even just. But it's early in the season. He's he's going to be a young, like he's he's going to be a superstar. Let's be honest. You and I both think he's the best eighteen year old we've ever seen. Yep. Um, but it, it was definitely a learning, and it was it came at the expense of a win because he he was not great, but ultimately, like it was it was just not not a great showing overall for for Lube and Padova was just kind of running with it they've got different lineups they're they're looking good takahashi is dare i say like he's he looks awesome man what he's Too... what how how much he's improved from last year to this year has been immense um yeah this this padova team early on is is really interesting and 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 a lot of fun to watch Dude, nobody his I'm looking at his passing numbers, Takahashi's passing numbers in the first two matches. In in this five set match versus Lube Chivinova, 54% perfect passing, 77% positive passing on only 13 reception attempts. And that's the real thing is that Zanger, the starting libero, is passing 29 balls. Asparuhov, who only played three sets, is passing 27 balls. Takahashi is passing the ball so well that he's being avoided. He, not the libero, is the one being avoided by opposing servers. Plus, he went 20 for 37 attacking uh, with two stuff blocks out of nowhere. Like, Takahashi is playing awesome volleyball. And the only way this part of a team can continue to succeed is if they stay that well in system. And uh, and if Dusan Petkovic continues to go like 19 for 40 with seven errors, I mean that's that's a pretty classic Petkovic stat line. 19 for 47 errors. I mean that's I don't know what 
25% efficiency, maybe uh, two aces on seven service errors. That's about a Dushan Petkovic stat line. I mean, that that's what he's going to be. But if they can be that far in system, I mean, the middles, who they, what do they go? Four for six and six for 11. And they're I mean, just hey. kind of, they're just kind of not listening to the noise about everyone thinking that everyone like me thinking they're going to suck. They're playing with all the confidence in the world. And they've beaten uh, uh, Modena and Lube to start the season. I can't even believe I'm saying that. Yeah, but so, you know, we, we talked about David Saita, the, the, the setter, and we saw last year how streaky he was. Streaky. But if we go back to the year before his team, when he was with Vivo Valencia, and when he had Tsubo Hassan and TJ DeFalco passing for him, remember how good that offense ran? Like, when he doesn't have to run for the ball, when he doesn't have to move much, when he has that, that first-touch serve receive there, Saita can be one of the best, and he can run an absolutely fantastic offense. And that's what I think we're seeing right now. I, I mean, it might be a little too early to call it, but I think Padova could very much be like the Vibo from two years ago. Yeah, that's possible. Vibo came out of nowhere. They they made the playoffs and they almost won a playoff series. I, I cannot believe that this pot of a roster is looking like that this early. And again, it's early. It's only two matches in out of a 24 game regular season. But boy, Padova and Verona, the two most early impressive teams so far and not far behind them is this team, Chisterna, has yet to drop a set. And I mean, they got Taranto for one, uh, but coming out the gates first match of the year and sweeping a, what we thought was going to be a good Milano team with, with only like 11 guys on the roster was very impressive to me as well. Yeah, weren't we? Weren't you guys saying that basically, like Tristerna's like roster is still incomplete, and they still have a whole bunch of openings. It was, and and, and, and they're is. out here, and they're out here three donging Milano. Um, <laughs> In Milano uh, to, to, to start off the season. Like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, it, it's weird. I mean, I didn't know who Marco Sedlicek even was, Croatian guy on the outside. He played great. Uh, Petar Zirlic gets a lot of credit, uh, MVP of the match. He played great. Uh, Denis Kaliberda shows up at the last minute, like right before the first game, and uh, he played decently well uh fa byram our boy came in played great he he was actually really good started a lot and played a lot more in the toronto game uh mikhaili baranovich set a good offense this this nice win for chisterna they have yet to drop a set i think that this was milano really struggling more so i, I think that this is a little bit more about them not being good enough with this new lineup configuration yeah i mean especially in this match you have to look at about a poor four yes. for 18 five errors only 22 percent hitting uh, that's not great. Like they hit 44% of the t- as a team and everyone else was, was decent except for Abadapur and Malgarejo. Malgarejo coming off the bench was, was one for four. Um, so yeah, you, you could just tell that the offense just wasn't clicking. Poro maybe struggling a little bit to find that, that connection with Abadapur uh, on the left side. Um, but I think, you know, like going back to this, just turn an offense i think that's what they're going to do to teams this year because you look at it i just i just see solid all the way through yeah and yeah. that if you don't like and they have they have players that if you don't that had the, the bit of an edge and a bit of a chip on their shoulder let's say so that if you don't show up against them they're going to take advantage of it they and only made three yeah, yeah they only made three unforced hitting errors which is a really nice number just making other teams beat them not giving that much away for free uh their serving numbers weren't quite as good two aces to 13 errors uh but milano had two aces to 18 errors so they gave away a lot more free points also 11 blocks for chisterna extremely impressive uh three from aiden zingle in the middle yeah i mean i think we're gonna have to we're gonna have to watch it and like so far it's just there's there's so much i'm so interested to see what's gonna happen this first week like usually the first few weeks are just chalk 
right? You're like, right. yep, this right. is going to happen. This is going to happen. But it's just, it's been blown wide open. It just makes me want to watch it all more. All me more. too. Uh, a couple more matches we got to talk about looking kind of more towards week two. I know it's a little bit scattered, but we want to cover at least a little bit about every team. We had the battle for Milano in this one. Uh, Monza versus Milano. Monza is just a, a basically a suburb of Milano right outside of it. They're minutes apart. And we have an, a very unfortunate reverse sweep if you are a Monza fan. Uh, Mergarejo comes off the bench and is great, uh, wins the MVP. We do have to address that for Monza, since Tommy and I did the show to preview the year, we were really excited about this Monza team. Uh, our boy Stephen Marr. Unfortunately, Cachopa, uh, Fernando Crailing, the Brazilian setter in preseason right before the start of the year, tore his ACL. So there is almost there is almost no way he plays the entire year. Monza very quickly hit the transfer market. They tried to go get Micah Christensen the last minute. That didn't work out. So Monza imagine though imagine uh, we we were imagining we were imagining uh, didn't happen. So Monza is going to be without uh, one of their key players for the foreseeable future. Uh, their backup setter, this Croatian guy, Petar Visic, who I don't know anything about. But uh, they do go up two sets to none over the Crosstown Rivals, and they let it slip away. Milano comes back with a reverse sweep. Uh, good match. Not the highest level match we've seen this year so far, but it's a nice kind of uh, example of Milano's three outside hitter characters because you got Yuki Ishikawa, you got Milad Abadapur, who started, and then uh, Osniel Mercarejo came in off the bench. It was great. 14 for 29 attacking and wins the MVP in a reverse sweep. And of course, you've got your 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 golden boy Jean Petri on the right side there. That's right. Uh, too, who's probably their their most consistent player, uh, I'd say. And I mean, he he wasn't this one too. 13, 13 for 31. And he looks just the, the that offense, that aspect of the offense that we've been critical of, uh, Poro's inability to really connect with Patri on the right side looked better. It's looked better in two matches so far. Still, definitely some work to do. But uh, if you can get Patri in a position where he can be as efficient as we've seen him be on the national team, then this Milano team can go some places. Yeah, absolutely. I think once again, like I think there's so much parity in the league this year, and especially I think we've seen it so early on. It just I, I I don't think that there's 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 truly a favorite. Like the the top four for me is. I think there is. <laughs> I, I mean, yes, obviously, the, obviously, there's. You have to look at that Perugia offense, Leon Semenyuk, <laughs> you know, the 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 list goes on. Um, but after that, like, I think that the the groupings, like the lines between the groupings, are much more blurred this season than maybe they've ever been in. They've been in quite some time. Yeah, and that makes it just electric to watch. Uh, two more teams that came into the season as definite contenders played one another uh, in week two. That's Modena and Piacenza. Modena wins the match three to one. Rough start for Piacenza, zero and two. I mean, both those both these teams got upset in week one and five by like serious underdogs, and one of them was going to go zero and two. Sure enough, it's Piacenza. Now they haven't had Ricardo Lucarelli at all yet. He has yet to see the floor this year. But I, I have expected them to be a little bit better. Uh, the, the offense just hasn't quite been there. Yoandi Leal hasn't quite been there after an amazing world championship. Yuri Romano hasn't quite been there after an amazing world championship. And uh, Piacenza have dug themselves a bit of a hole so far. Yeah, I mean, we're going to have to see how this Piacenza team full unfolds. And yeah. I mean, I think... I feel like we've seen it with, with time and time again, and I, I, it's not the players that I don't necessarily trust. I think it's the organization that is Piacenza, because how many times have we seen fantastic athletes go into Piacenza? And I mean, even look at the, look at the team that they had last year on paper. That was fantastic. 
but you just you didn't really do anything with Aaron Russell. You just kind of let him slip away. You know, you've had Addis Lagumja for the year and he had injury problems. So that makes me question some things as, as, as well too, right? So it's just the question. I think that there's some organizations that are winning organizations. Trentino is a winning organization. Right. Blue Bay is a winning organization. Modena is a winning organization. And even when they're not as good, they, they still know how to win. I don't know if Piacenza is a winning organization. I think they have winners on their team, but as a collective from the front office throughout the entirety of the team, I don't know if they're winners. Bernardi uh, got to got to place some blame on the head coach in that situation. I mean, this stat sheet is weird. Piacenza versus Modena. Francesco Recchine only had five attempts and started every set at outside hitter. I just don't understand how you can't give him more balls when Romano gets thirty six. And Leal gets 30. I mean, that distribution makes no sense. Then Robert Landy Simone in four sets only gets nine. Again, he's the best middle blocker in the world. You got to feed the man the rock. I mean, I, I know they're missing Lucarelli. He's going to be a big factor when he comes back. Maybe Rechine's dealing with some kind of injury. We don't know about two, but just not the start we were expecting with all the moves that Piacenza made in the offseason. And on the Modena side, I mean, if you listen to the preview, Tommy and I agreed, and Tommy's a Modena fan, that the key player for them this year is going to be Tommaso Rinaldi. Uh, kind of floated around the Superliga a little bit, was brought up in the Modena system, went on, lo- on loan to Cisterna last year. Now he's back. He's going to start every match at outside hitter. Eight for 18 with five errors in this one. Not super good. Uh, decent passing numbers, but I thought he held in. He hung in there well enough. Didn't get himself substituted off other than a couple backcourt trips. Uh, Irvin Ingepet with great was great. Adis Lagumja was even better uh, against his former team. And uh, Modena with a much-needed win. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of question marks for me in this Modena team this year. There's yeah. just like like you said, the fact that Rinaldi is is one of the guys that they're going to be leaning on is is a question mark to me. Um, I know he's been brought up in this system, but let's be honest, like he's nowhere near even seeing the court in the Italian in the Italian depth chart no, uh, and, and in the system. So, right, like <laughs> there's so many other guys that 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 come for him. So, how well can Incapeth do, and can Lagumgia stay healthy for the entirety of the season? Right. Um, you've got an aging Bruno who we saw kind of like lose a lot of steam and a lot of his shine and luster at this world championships, you know, an aging dragon Stankovic. I just don't know what this, this Modena team really has to offer in the long term this season. All totally fair questions. And uh, they're going to get a real challenge this coming weekend. They play on Sunday versus Lube Chivadanova. So uh, we're going to see how that one goes. Both those teams kind of need that win. Uh, to talk about a Lube, talk about Lube just a little bit more, uh, because we talked about them uh, losing that weird one to Padova. And they put Nikolov, like you talked about Alex Nikolov's performance. It's important to note that they put him on the right side. Yes, 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 absolutely. He was lined up opposite the setter. Ivan Zaitsev has started both matches as a full-time outside hitter so far. But it's like you have Gabby Garcia. That's what I don't understand. You have... You, you have Gabby Garcia, you have Yant, you have Botolo, you have Zaitsev. Like, what's going on? Like, they, why, they don't, why they are you don't making really these have Yant? Yant is not, if Yant could start, he would. And right now he can't, which is why you've barely seen him. And I think that'll solve a lot of Lube's question marks. But Zaitsev doesn't want to play outside hitter. He has made that very, very clear. And why do you have Gabby Garcia if you're going to put Alex Nikolov on the right side, which is not his position? And like we saw in the fifth set against Padova, he did not look comfortable, made a 
bunch of terrible errors. Like, why would you take an 18-year-old kid and play him out of position when you have his actual position, one of the great players in Italian history, playing out of position where he doesn't want to play? I'm, I'm really confused by this Lube team so far. Yeah, I mean, just the decisions being made here are questionable at best. Um, let's say if you know, if I'm Gabby Garcia, I've signed a big contract last year. I you know had a pretty good year. I'm pissed off right now, yeah. right? Like I was, I was a, a big player in the NCAA for how many years and a big big star, and you've got a kid who was only in there for one year, right? Uh, they come in and I know he had a pretty good VNL and he got to play world championships and all of, all of this stuff. And, and he did a lot of good things for Bulgaria, but man, like if I'm Gabby Garcia, <coughs> sorry, I'm causing hell in the, in the, uh, in the change room. <coughs> yeah, de- de- definitely a weird situation. Well, we'll see if Lubick can bounce back versus Modena. Uh, I think we've covered pretty much every team so far, except for these two. Uh, talking about the the prohibitive favorites, Perugia. They start two and zero. We haven't we haven't talked about Toronto yet either. Uh, they've had a rough start. They don't look very good at all. Uh, but Perugia beat Siena. Uh, Siena took a set from them. Great, whatever. Uh, Perugia didn't even play Wilfredo Leon in the first match, and they didn't even play Camille Semeniuk in this match. They still won pretty easily. That's that's the sort of ridiculous level that we that I expect from Perugia match in and match out. They can play every single guy on their roster interchangeably and still win. I think Jesus Herrera played a good amount of opposite in this one. Let me double check that. Yeah, he, he did. I, I did. I did tune in for it uh, for it a little bit, and he was on when I played. But to be perfectly honest, Rob, I don't really want to talk about Perugia we because there's nothing much to, to, to be said nope. right right now, and we're going to talk a lot, about, a lot about them this season. So let's talk about all the in, other interesting teams who are going to be chasing after Perugia because from what I've seen, like, I think Perugia is the best team in the league. I could not tell you who the second best team in the league is right now. I agree. It's it, the Perugia is not interesting because everyone knows that they're amazing. And sure enough, they're amazing. Great. They're 2-0. Oh. I, I agree. I don't want to talk about them that much. We will talk about them later. Uh, Siena, don't have that much to say about them. They kind of are who we thought they were. Uh, great. They are they, who we thought they, they were. They we let them were. off the hook. <laughs> I mean, they made 21 hitting errors in a four-set match. That's brutal. So, uh whatever and then uh toronto last but not least not a good start at all haven't taken a set yet uh offense doesn't look very good eric lepke mediocre at best to start the year i have no idea what's happened to him (sighs) truly like there's i don't know what's going on there they Um, they got three dong by chisterna and that's a team that's just not not quite on that level so, i mean lepke's numbers weren't bad 12 for 25 only one error that's 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 fine but okay yeah uh, that's, that's, six that's per, pretty good. six percent perfect passing needs some work yeah that's 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 definitely the uh the issue there all right you want to look look forward to uh this this weekend here in the, the uh in the super lega absolutely uh so yeah. i don't have a, a graphic for this weekend schedule you can check it out on legavolley.it or a uh, flash scores where we like to follow along There's, with scores there is some big good ones Big uh, matches. Perugia Big. versus Verona. Uh, a, a huge test of if Verona can keep this crazy streak alive as they'll play the best team in the league. That's on Saturday. Yeah. So there's a lot of wild volleyball to watch on Saturday with the finals going right. down of the Women's World Championships. And this matchup is one that you're going to want. It's starting at the basically at the same time. Fantastic. Love that. Volleyball World TV is going to be chaotic. Um, this one is is really like how real is Verona? Right. right, does Perugia even bring out the roster? 
exactly how, how real is verona uh that, that's that's going to be the question that we answer and then you got lube versus modena on sunday and also piacenza versus trentino on sunday yeah. man are I, those some bangers i'm expecting that piacenza trentino one because if piacenza starts this season oh and oh three. three that's going to be terrible but on the flip side of of trentino starts one and two one and two like that's also an issue so yeah it's Oh man, I, I'm really excited for the Super Lega season. Like, there's just so much. Like, I even like last year, I, I kind of knew where everything was going to fall, but this year, I just I truly don't know. Same here. Uh, we got Chisterna versus Padova. One of those teams is going to be three and zero, which is ridiculous to say. So, uh, a lot of good stuff going on this weekend in the men's Super Lega. Again, if if you're confused, if we're jumping around too fast, you don't know the teams. Go back and watch the preview that we did. Because the only thing that's changed since then is, unfortunately, Kachopa tearing his ACL. Everything else, the starting lineups that we projected in that show are pretty accurate to what we've seen so far. So go back and watch that if you're confused. But uh, the Superlega is awesome. You can watch it on Volleyball World TV. We're talking about it in the Discord all the time. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of fun stuff this weekend. Rob, pick, pick your, make your picks for this weekend. Perugia is going to stop Verona. It's going to be a humbling experience for them. Uh, Modena is going to beat Lube, and uh, Piacenza is going to beat Trentino. Okay, I think Verona is going to beat Perugia. They're going to continue the upset. They're going to win in in, in five. I also think that Modena is going to beat Lube. Uh, Milano is going to beat Siena. Uh, Piacenza is going to beat Trentino. Padova is going to beat Chisterna, and Monza is going to beat Toronto. Okay, yeah, I, I like most of those picks. All right, you want to move on to the Plus Liga, another league that I want Absolutely. to definitely Absolutely. divert some more focus to uh, this year on the 9x9. It's it's a little trickier to watch because it's not on Volleyball World TV. Uh, but again, we did a huge preview of the Polish Plus Liga. Uh, I think we agreed the second best men's league in the world. Uh, me and our boy Adonos from the Discord did a long preview about this a couple weeks ago. Again, you're going to want to watch that to just get a, a baseline for who's who, who's on what roster, what teams are good. Uh, that, that's a nice resource. 16 teams in the Plus League of this year is a lot. And what that means is since they're, they have to play each other twice, it's 30 matches per team, there's basically no days off. Whereas like the Super League, they're basically playing only every weekend. Yeah. The Plus Liga is playing pretty much every day. At least there's at least like a match or two going on every day. It's pretty wild. The Plus Liga is like an NBA schedule, right? Right. Like right. like you're you're playing mid midweek games. You're playing like on Wednesdays and Fridays and Thursdays and Mondays. It's it's all over the place. I love it. Oh, it's awesome. I I, I love the fact that the, that there's midweek games. And you're not trying to cram in all your watching at, at one time. I don't it's way it's way better. I mean, if we could watch every game, it's something that I would have on like pretty much every day. I'd be watching the Plus League game. You can tell that the Plus League has like an, a national TV deal because oh, yeah. like they're they're doing it so that you can focus on one game at a time. Imagine if other entities that scheduled volleyball were to take notes from this. Imagine what might be possible. Imagine. Uh, anyway, uh, here's the standings for the Plus League so far. Everyone's played three matches. There's 16 teams in the league, which is a lot, so uh, we won't spend that much time on this. Uh, we've got a Ukrainian team in the Plus League this year, uh, Barkom Lviv. Uh, so far in last place, they're struggling to get their feet wet, but uh, it's cool that the Plus League has expanded over that southeastern Polish border uh, to Lviv, which is just across the border there in Ukraine. I, I understand they're going to be... Um, kind of headquartered in Poland for the most part this year. Can't remember what town. Uh, I, I wish I remembered what town Adonis told me that uh, Lviv was kind of going to be based in this year, but whatever. Uh, there's, uh, we can go through some of the results so far. Uh, here's the results from the first week. 
Uh, Yashevsky is one of my takeaways. They look great. Uh, Zaksa with, with uh, I mean, despite all of their losses or their one loss being Camille Semenyuk, they beat an Olsen team that's good and they didn't even play Marcin Janusz and they barely played Alexander Slivka and they still beat him in four. Uh, Rosovia okay. looks pretty good so far and uh, Zavierce looks pretty good so far. Those are my takeaways. I think that once again, I think we're going to see a lot more parity in the Plus League this yeah. year, especially yeah. since that you know, like, like looking at it past week one, like Zaxa has has already lost lost a match. Um, it's I think I think it's it's going to be blown open. The past few seasons, it's been Zaxa at the top and JW but right behind them, and everyone else chasing. Right. And this year, I think it's going to be a, a little bit more open. It's going to be exciting to watch. Yeah, a different story. I mean, I, I don't know. It's actually on the show. He picked Xavier Che to win the league, uh, which I was really wow. surprised by. Uh, and, I mean, it's been so dominated by Zaksa and Yashemsky for the past several years. Like, since the last time Rosovia was legitimately good, that uh, picking a team outside that group, like a kind of a newer team like Xavier Che to win the league was a pretty crazy take, but they look good so far. They beat Scrod five in the first week. Uh, they then beat Zaksa in in, uh, in game day three, which was a huge one. I can break down the stats of that a little bit because that was a really interesting match. Uh, Zavierce, by the way, this is the team that had Euros Kovacevic and Facundo Conte last year. Uh, they lose Conte in the offseason, but they bring in Bartosz Folek. So uh, still quite a good squad over there. I mean, and they're, they're going to play Champions League. Based off this this past season, I mean, Conte wasn't fantastic for me. I really think he peaked peaked last year with with the Olympic run and everything. Um, and you know what? Even though we saw Kvolek in, in limited action for Poland, I really really liked him. Like we got to oh, see him too. personally in 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 in, uh, in Ottawa uh, at the VNL, and I, I really like his game. I think he's an asset to any team, so it doesn't make it, it it doesn't surprise me whatsoever that he's making an immediate impact for Zavici. Yeah, he uh, Kvolek was 18 for 39, attacking in the four-set win over Zox. Only four errors. That's pretty good. Uh, Euros Kovacevic, 19 for 37. That's pretty good. Uh, let's see. Service numbers. Five aces, 15 errors for Zavierce. Five aces, 16 errors for Zaxa. Uh, Zavierce definitely passed the ball better. And, I mean, uh, about Zaxa, I mean, everybody knows that they're one – glaring hole this year is no Camille Semenyuk. He left to Perugia. I had Eric Shoji on the show last week. We talked about Champions League. We talked about his team. Um, they've got Wojciak Zielinski, who's been the second outside hitter so far. Yeah, know- Karyagin's not even not even seen the court. Right. Uh, Eric told me that uh, Karyagin rolled his ankle. Uh, Karyagin saw the court in the first match, maybe the second match, but uh, it looks like Zielinski's going to be the guy because we know that he can pass the ball, at least on paper. Uh, he didn't pass the ball very well in the second match, but his offensive numbers have been fine. They're just going to have to give a lot of balls to Schliefka and Kaczmarek for Zaksa to go places. I'm really interested to see what Kajmarek does this season because let, let's be let's be honest he's kind of always been in the the shadow almost a little bit of Slivka and, and Semenyak who have done so much so many great things on on the national team already um, but Kajmarek I think is is just biding his time to be one of the next elite right sides and I think he does it in a bit of a different way I think his skill set overall is much more varied and 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 overall than than most right sides so I'm excited to see him kind of take on this role as Semenyuk's gone and they really need some of those more, more scoring options. But also let's just take a look at the golden man, Mr. David Smith out there going seven for 11 with no errors at three blocks, like, and, and, and an ace, like what this dude, this dude, 
Like, remember when we thought he was washed? Like, why is sure why is John Spraw even even picking him? Why is Zoxa signing him for a two year contract? This dude has been so unbelievable, and I'm so happy we were wrong on that. Yeah, me too. A uh, great style fit for that Zoxa team. It's great to still see him out there doing his thing. Uh, shout outs to the Smith family. I I've gotten to know his wife uh, Kelly. She messages me because she watches the show. So, uh, shout outs to them over in Poland, which is cool. Uh, a couple other takeaways, especially if you're a North American fan. Uh, Aseko Rasovia looks good so far. Uh, they're undefeated. They only dropped that one set to Shuvalki that you can see there on the screen. Uh, TJ DeFalco has been had a pretty good start. He's wearing jersey number 59 for some reason, which is really weird. Um, I guess like 11 was taken by Jizka. Uh, eight must have been taken by somebody. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Just a pretty weird look to see 59 eight, on the volleyball court. Yeah, it must be because, yeah, nine. Rosard likes nine. Nine must have been taken by somebody. Who knows? Uh, Rosovia looks good so far. Maybe only a matter of time until they show some um, Rosovia like cracks in the armor. Uh, Vershava was a team that I liked going into the year. They do not look good so far, but they're dealing with some injuries. Uh, they brought Kevin Tilly in the offseason. He hasn't been healthy enough to play yet. And uh, Arthur Schalpuk isn't healthy enough to play out either. So that's both their starting outside hitters. So uh, they're going to struggle until they can get those two guys back. I mean, that's a, that's a roster that's struggled for a while now. And I mean, there wasn't a time too long ago where Varsova was one of the, you know, the, the cream of the crop of the Plus Liga. They didn't even make the playoffs last year. Right. They were embarrassing at the Champions League. Anastasi completely mismanaged that team. Is he gone there? Is he, is he, he's Anastasi so around? Anastasi's coaching Perugia now, man. He, he oh, failed, yeah, you're right. Sorry, he I knew upwards. that. Oh, man. Yeah, like, they've, got, they've got Giampaolo Madei now, another Italian guy. I mean, th- their roster is better. They now have, uh, like, Nice security at the center position with Jan Fierle. They brought in Linus Weber. I, I just think they need their outside to just get healthy, and Vershava is going to be fine, but uh, not a good start for them. Uh, Olsten is a fun team, especially if you're American. Uh, they've got Taylor Averill and Josh Tuininga, but they lost to a shorthanded Zaxa team, which was kind of weird. They lost to Yashemski, and then they beat uh, Katowice in game three. So tough start to the year, uh, but I think that team is going to be pretty good. Uh, JW looks great. Uh, Stefan Boyer has been starting at opposite for the most part. I'm curious to see how long that keeps up. I feel like he's had a bit of resurgence, though. Like, I feel like since he's been back with the French team a little bit this year, like we were seeing him, him playing like Qatar and random leagues around the yeah, world, right? He kind of got I feel like, like he's, he's kind of, of redeemed himself. He's redeemed himself a little bit. I hope so. And I, th- I think if Yashemskin can be the championship caliber team and make a deep run in Champions League like they want to be, then Stefan Boyer has got to be their opposite. Like, you're, uh, Jan Hadrava just puts a, a real ceiling on where you can go. And uh, if, if Boya can be more consistent, then uh, they, they've really favorite. got a chance to win this thing. I mean, they've got Marcelo Mendes coaching as well. Maybe he can be the guy to get it out of them. Uh, another notable result on, on this one here in week three, uh, Bielsko Biawa beats Charney Rodham in five, uh, two teams that are not good. Uh, but they're, they're notable because Charney Rodham has Uncle Mo. Uh, if you're curious about where Mauricio Borges is playing this year. And uh, Bielsko Biała is the team promoted from the Polish B-League, and they have Jake Haynes. <laughs> so Jake Haynes actually gets MVP of that match uh, by, and some, by some act of God. <laughs> they also have, uh, shout out to, to my boy Dalton Sanoski, yeah, uh, the they only do. Canadian, who did come off the bench and got one point in this one. So big, big, big shout out to uh, the big guy from Saskatchewan for uh, scoring his first Plus Liga point. Wow, big shout out to the tune of one entire point. Uh, big, hey, you know what? That's point. more points than you and I have ever scored in a Plus Liga match. So, you know what? I'm Saskatchewan to the Plus Liga, you know, that's that's quite the journey, and I'm going to celebrate it. 
Totally fair point. Uh, so yeah, the, the Plus Liga is cool. It's going on all the time. Uh, there's matches literally all the time, so it's more difficult to like really look forward to it for the week. Uh, well, I'll, I'll I'll try look at the schedule really quick and pull out any matches that might be good. I mean, what, uh, yeah, Chemsky versus Zabiache. There's a good one. Uh, JW versus you can also just always just join the Discord. In the Discord, we have the today's matches uh, feed, and that'll tell you exactly what's going on day by day in all of the top leagues in the world, right? So, yeah, you want to know what's going on? Just join the Discord, and we've got the uh, today's matches feed pr- nicely provided by our boy Philip from uh, from Berlin uh, in Germany. So yeah, just once again, another reason to sign up for the Discord. Yep, got to join the Discord. Uh, no reason not to. So yeah, JW versus Xavier Chase is clearly the marquee matchup this weekend. That's Sunday morning, North American time. So hop in the Discord. We'll, we'll see if we can help the people globally out with ways to watch that match. Uh, but yeah, the Plus League is cool. It's going on all the time. Uh, so uh, just tune into the matches when you can. Uh, one of the later things I want to cover on the show is this. I want to talk about Germany a little bit, Everett. Uh, I think I do think that Due to the Canadian and Americans playing in that league, so I do think I do think we should focus a little bit more on Germany this year. I agree. So uh, the German Super Cup has kicked off the season. Of uh, the Super Cup thing is something a lot of the leagues do to kind of just kind of throw a tournament at you early in the year. Uh, Germany does it before the regular season even starts, so uh, they actually haven't played regular season yet at all. But the German Super Cup is completed. Uh, no surprise that the Berlin Recycling Volleys win it again. They breached. They beat Friedrichshafen in the final, but uh, it is kind of more open this year than years past. Uh, Berlin is not the powerhouse, at least on paper, that we're used to them being. So uh, maybe they're not a shoe in to win everything in Germany this year. But uh, the most fun team in the Bundesliga, especially if you're American or Canadian, is Lundberg. Lundberg. By far the most fun team. Lundberg is going to be the team uh, to watch. If you guys are fans of Out of System, you already know that they've got the Worsley bros. They've got Joe Worsley. They've got Gage Worsley. Um, they've got Colton Colwell as well, Jordan Ewert. Uh, and then in the middle, they've just got three banging uh, Canadians in the form of Pierce Ashenko, Jordan Snitcher, Schnitzer, and Xander Ketrzynski. And not to mention, they're all... Um, they're led by uh, the their head coach. Why am I blanking on his name right now? Stefan Hubner. Yeah, yeah Stefan Hubner. We literally him. hung out with him in Ottawa. Yeah, in Ottawa he's the year. man. I yeah, love exactly. Stefan. He's great. And, yeah, and we celebrated his birthday that that last night of VNL. Oh, we did. We did. I I completely forgot about that. But all to say that he's the assistant coach on the Canadian men's national team, working with three medals medals from the Canadians men's national team, and. This is like this Lundberg team has. I think it has some potential to to, to do some damage in the in the uh, in the uh, Bundesliga this year, especially with Lucas Massa uh, on the right side. He's an absolute monster. Another guy on the German team that we got to see in in Ottawa. It's it's the best Lundberg roster I think I've seen in a long time. It's also the most fun, and uh, absolutely so they're going to be really fun to follow along with. And if you're new. The, the way that the German Bundesliga started to produce their matches last year and have continued to do so now live on Amazing. Twitch with this uh, whole I mean, ba- this whole bounce house that bounce house is kind of the name of the production arm uh, twitch.tv slash spontent is one of the channels uh, you follow everything they have on social media they are so modern so fun it makes me want to learn german so i can understand all the straight up and the guys the duolingo sponsor us so we can yeah, learn some real. german 
like dude such good productions they do such a good job with the bundesliga and it's free to watch globally no geo blockers nothing like that easy to follow along with uh, great great league great production gotta give them a shout out what's even better about the bundesliga i think in general is that they have such a strong link between their indoor leagues and their beach leagues right so yeah. spontent is 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 started as the company started by alex lockenhorst who's formerly plays is like a is a beach player for for germany and like they were the ones who started broadcasting all of the beach events and they have a fantastic beach tour in germany and like they they're people who do it for for the right reasons and as rob says the hands down the best production value in in volleyball and you can tell that they actually care and that there's volleyball people actually making decisions shocker who knew that would be such a <laughs> you good can, idea you can tell that even if you don't speak german and that's that's the best part is that it comes across so clearly that they're just everybody involved with producing those games knows cares. volleyball and loves and volleyball care. and cares. It's so refreshing. And if I spoke German, I'd be able to really just feel that even more. So all the shout-outs in the world to them. Uh, easy to follow along with the Bundesliga wherever you're at in the world. Uh, we got some Americans on Nets Hoppers and Hersching as well. So there's a bunch of North Americans in that league, which is cool. So uh, shout-outs to the German League. Their regular season kicks off. I think this weekend. Let's see. Yeah, I think Nets Nets Hoppers are also led. Uh, you got Byron Ketarakis setting for Nets Hoppers. Uh, Hershing is going to be led by James Shaw uh, at the setter yeah. position, so he's making his return to to being a setter and, and playing professionally on the indoor side after seeing him kind of with Team USA this year. Uh, my boy Joy Mantha is holding things down um, for Giesen uh, on the left side over there too. There's just there's just so much going on in the German league, and it's it's a very underrated league, I think. Very underrated, and yeah, no foreigner limits, which is why it's such a popular landing spot for North Americans, so uh, give that one a follow for sure. Uh, last but not least, Everett, I want to wrap up the show with just a couple pieces of news around some outstanding transfers, because I think uh, transfer the transfer game and in the club volleyball is always really fun and we kind of know everybody's landing spots by now the 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 main bangers this offseason were uh, Camille Semenyuk to Perugia and Namir Abdelaziz to Turkey uh, but there are a couple of players whose futures are either still uncertain or uh, have just now become certain as of very recently that we want to update people about and a couple of this relates a couple of these guys relate to the Russian league so as you might know, the Russian League is still going on, even though none of the Russian teams are participating in CEV competition uh, because of the war still going on. None of, they're not doing anything outside their own borders, but the league is happening, and there are a couple very select foreigners that have figured out a way to get into the country and get back with their teams. One of those is Micah Christensen. So Micah Christensen is, in fact, back with Zenit Kazan. He is their starting setter. He has played for them early on in the regular season in Russia. Um, I know he got some calls from Monza when uh, Kachopa tore his ACL, but he is choosing to stay there with Zeni Kazan and play the season. So uh, we'll see if and how long that lasts. But from what it sounds like, the situation inside Russian borders is secure enough that as long as Micah continues to get paid, I think he's going to stay there. Uh, speaking, I mean, yeah, why, I, I, why wouldn't you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, a, there's there's no war going on in Russia. It's it's all on the border of Ukraine, and Kazan is nowhere near any of any of right. that. You know, thousands of miles away. Um, but also, too, I think that I remember Micah hearing Micah talk about it a little bit uh, with the onset because he was one of those athletes that did stay and did complete the season. And just talking about that, you know, maybe that some people weren't always in line with that, but that you know, at the end of the day, he had a contract. And there's also 
people involved in that club that that he enjoys and stuff like that. And I think it's it's important to maybe separate the people that, that are involved as opposed to the politics. That's a, a very good point. And for similarly, I mean, there's a handful of other foreigners that are still playing in Russia. As far as I know, Jenny Gurbenikov is still over there. Uh, and a, another one, Matt Anderson, who was supposed to go maybe to China, maybe Japan. I'm not honestly sure which. Matt Anderson is signed with Zenit St. Petersburg. So he right now is in the United States because getting to Russia, getting all the paperwork and then physically getting there is harder than it's ever been. But sooner or later, the plan is for Matt Anderson to go and play full time uh, for Zenit St. Petersburg this year, where I mean, him and Igor Kliuka as an outside hitter duo is, is pretty nasty. And I know Victor Politaev is there. He's started every match so far. So maybe he's healthy and maybe that team's going to be good. So uh, that's uh, the, the two American, the only two Americans that I know of that are headed to Russia this year. Uh, Christensen is already there and Anderson is trying to find his way there as we speak. Well, crazy. Is, is there anyone who's feeling the heat of Maxim Shaposhkov more than Victor Politaev right now? <laughs> I'm very, very curious to see if and when the Russian national team kind of gets back into the mix, uh, how much longer Politaev can hold on to that second outside, or it's that, that second opposite spot. Because, yeah, if Sapozhkov is anything like we've seen in these first two Super Lega matches, uh, he'd better watch out. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I've not been a fan of Politaev for a long time. I just. Uh, uh, I think he's very streaky. He's not great out of system. He you doesn't know, you, have you've great made hand some, contact. Made we, some we can slanderous go. comparisons to him on this very show in the past. He's 100% in that Shawan Vernon Evans, Ben Patch, Massimo Jai character of guys, guys who are really good as they were young because they were really, really athletic and then kind of petered off. What do you want me to say? It's 100% true. Tell me I'm wrong. I will tell you you're wrong. I think he's better than all three of those guys, uh, but we'll we'll see. And we, we don't really get to watch that much of Russia because of the obvious, but uh, he is there. And soon enough, sooner or later, he'll be joined in Zenit St. Petersburg by Matt Anderson. Uh, Ever, there's there's one note that uh, right in, our, in our show notes, after the Matt Anderson bullet point, there's one that I really want you to talk about here because there's been all sorts of uncertainty around one very certain Canadian. And now we kind of have some direction. Uh, give us the update. I mean... I didn't think there was much uncertainty. Uh, Shawan Vernon Evans is back playing for the Sakai Blazers, uh, the same team that he had played last year for uh, in Japan. Um, I, you know, when I spoke to him, I, I kind of understood, and from what I understood from some other people, that the plan was always to not play for the national team this summer. Um, his plan was to actually play beach uh, this summer uh, with Stephen Marshall. Stephen Marshall needed to get surgery so that didn't happen that's why neither of them ended up playing beach and marshall ended up returning to the national team uh and then play uh indoor in in the winter time you know you can why not if you can play both and shawan vernon evans vernon evans has represented canada before on the beach at junior uh events uh, and grew up playing beach volleyball why not go for it make the money in japan during the season play the beach during the summertime kind of seems like the perfect world but yes shawan vernon evans is back playing professionally in japan where he was a top four hitter last season well uh i mean it does to most of the outside followers of shawan's career it has not been nearly that certain that he was going to go back and do that especially if you follow his instagram and see all these posts with hashtag rebranding and a whole lot of basketball content there is a 
I mean, you could have easily drawn the conclusion that he would never touch a volleyball again. So it, for that, me, that I, basketball league he was playing in was like a glorified men's league, you know, like it, it was. It, this it, is this it, is why it, you're giving us the update because I didn't, I really wasn't sure what Shawan was going to do. So no, that was, you know, like, like, yeah, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't. And it's, it's like one of those things that, you know, he grew up with, with some of those guys. They all know he played for team Canada. He went to the Olympics. Like he's, he's a name, not to mention he's six foot 10 and also played a little bit of ball growing up. So, so he can go, he gets invited to those runs, but it's, it's nothing serious. It's not like he's going to go try and try to play for the CEBL. You know, you can make what he's probably making six figures playing in Japan. Right, he's making a lot more playing volley than he would in the CEBL. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Right. The CEBL is, is garbage. So, uh, yeah, like I think this, he's going to play volleyball for the, for, you know, still a long time, whether or not we're ever going to see him in a team Canada Jersey, whether it's indoor or the beach that remains to be seen. Um, but yeah, I'm happy to see him cont- continuing to play. Yeah. Uh, me too. That was, uh, I was happy to see him uh, back over in Asia, still banging high balls. Uh, a couple other guys that we need to update. Uh, one that we have no idea what he's doing is Bartosz Bednors. Uh, we have no idea what Bartosz Bednors is up to. He was training with Scrab Belkato for a little minute there. Uh, people were hoping that Scrab would just sign him because they could really use another outside hitter of his caliber. They but could. his plan is still to go to the Chinese League. Now, the okay. problem with the Chinese League is that in, in China right now, if somebody gets COVID, one person gets COVID, everything locks down. Everything, everything, everything. Like nobody's allowed to leave their places of living if if one person gets COVID. So uh, that policy is obviously very difficult. Uh, it's very difficult to run a professional sports league with that going on. That's why Matt Anderson didn't go there. And uh, Bartosz Bednors is still trying to figure that out. I'm not even sure if they're going to be able to run a league at all if that is if that policy is the case in China. So uh, Bednors is still kind of floating around. Maybe he settles down in Europe or tries to go grab some money in China where they may or may not even play. Uh, similarly, uh, Thomas Jeschke is dealing with the exact same problem. Uh, he was trying to go to China this year. He has not been able to get over there. There is no news about the league. There's no news about travel. There's such uh, high restrictions surrounding COVID in China that Thomas Jeschke right now is actually near me in Chicago as a vol- where he's from as a volunteer assistant for the Loyola Chicago I think men's and or women's teams. I'm not sure which, but he was trying to go to China and play. Uh, He right now is not in China, not playing. So I'm curious to see what he ends up doing. And then uh, Aaron Russell, we know what he's doing. Uh, He's in Japan. He's playing with the JT Thunders this year. Uh, That is certain. So it's unfortunate. I wish we would see Aaron Russell playing in Europe somewhere, but at least his situation is secure. Especially after the summer we saw Aaron Russell have with with Team USA, both of VNL and the World Championships. Aaron Russell is... No offense to the Japanese league, but he could be doing so much better. He he, he could be, be doing so much better. Yeah, he could. Uh, I respect him chasing the paycheck, but there's some good foreigners in the Japanese league. I mean, Mikhail Kubiak, Bartosz Kurek, Dmitry Mazursky, Aaron Russell, and Shawan Evans. Evans. And uh, I, I was I was looking through Thomas all the rosters today. Thomas Edgar's not there anymore. He's in Turkey. Okay, he was last uh, year. Okay. And now Yuji Nishida is back there. So like, there's, there's some players in the Japanese league. Uh, last but not least... Another very uncertain one. Max Holt is a name that a lot of people were asking questions about this summer because he did not even set foot in the American national team gym. Max Holt is not in a gym anywhere as of this moment. Right now, he does not have a club contract. He is not playing volleyball as of now, and I'm not even sure he's pursuing 
a contract anywhere. So that's all I know. Uh, but unfortunately, we may have seen Max Holt just kind of step into the shadows and off the court very unceremoniously. I, that's that's all I know about him right now. That would be uh, that would be a shame if, if we lost Max Holt, Max yeah, Holt like that. So uh, that, that's that's it. That's some updates uh, about about some some outstanding contract situations. And uh, I think that's kind of about it for the show. So, uh, right, Everett, anything else? Uh, yeah, real quick, if you're watching this, there's 44 of you watching watching right now, and we've only got 10 likes. Drop us a like. Show some love. You know, if you don't want to go to that volleyball.store and buy some merch, if you don't want to become a member, that's fine. You don't want to spend any money. We We absolutely understand that but at the very least give us a like we love that you're here with us we would appreciate you that you're watching we hope that if you're a new viewer from this summer that you're going to continue and maybe learn a little bit of something about professional volleyball and club volleyball because uh, it's it's fun and it's great and you get to hang out with us some more uh so drop a like to let other people know to come watch this as well right make sure you give us a like and if you watch a few of ours just go back and like all of them you know just go down the list and Double yeah, tap on the, all the YouTube algorithm works in magical ways, and the best there we thing, go. Just the best thing, one come in. Yeah, there we go. Here we already got a couple. The best thing that you can do to support us for free is watch our stuff, and the, the the real boosts in the YouTube algorithm that make our videos show up to people who are not subscribed to Volleyball Source is when they have a lot of likes, and then also the same people that like the video also comment on the video. And I'm not talking like comment in the live chat. I'm like the real comments after the live stream is over. That's the best way to boost the algorithm so that we can reach more people is if you like the video and also comment on the video. That thing, that that tandem really helps push the videos. And it's like, I know it's a stupid thing that YouTubers say all the time, but that's why is because there actually is a difference. Smash the like button, bro. I hate it. I hate it. I I hate it when people tell us to do it, but it is a way that you can support us. So uh, help us out with that. You know, I know a bunch of you already watch our videos with with um, ad blockers on. I personally, I, I actually do this. I don't use Obviously. an ad blocker. I really? don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't because, like, hey, we're YouTubers. I want your ad money, so I'm gonna give my that to uh, other people on YouTube as well. So yeah, maybe maybe just pause your ad blocker real quick before before t- clicking on our videos before watching volleyball source videos yeah i mean that that works uh, we'll, we'll we'll take all the help we can get so uh we will be back everett uh this time next week for another similar just kind of regular episode of the nine by nine as we get back to the routine but also for that before that we'll be back on sunday so this sunday october 16th uh, we'll be back to recap the entire Women's World Championship. Uh, the medal match is going down on Saturday, this Saturday, October 15th. We'll be back on Sunday to break it all down. Uh, really curious to see who comes out of this semifinal. Uh, we've got uh, Italy versus Brazil on one side. We've got um, United States versus Serbia on the other. Uh, three of those teams are going to get some medals, so uh, we'll see who it is. And we'll be back on Sunday to break all that down in another special episode. Absolutely. We'll see you guys Sunday. Uh, we're going to see you before then because you're going to join us at the Volleyball Source Discord. If you have any questions, let us know there uh, at that volleyball guy at our St. Clair one over on the Discord. And uh, yeah, come hang out. Thanks for watching, everyone. I'll, we'll see you Sunday. I'll see you next week and we'll see you in the Discord. Thanks for watching. Peace.